Hello everyone, this is Molly from the Casually Molly podcast, and I just wanted to introduce you to my new friends at The Natty Cat. This one is for all you cool cats and kittens who can't get enough of wordplay and fur babies. The Natty Cat's natural soy candles feature inventive scent combinations in glass jars with clever kitties on the labels. The scent of furry sweater weather takes holiday candles to a new level with a blend of eucalyptus, mint and pine, and a slightly disgruntled Persian sporting a red sweater. Because who doesn't want to dress up their cat? The Smoke and Puss features 007's cat counterpart, along with the flavors of orange blossom, cedar, and incense. Hand purred with locally sourced natural soy wax, the Natty Cat's candles, wood wicks, create a cozy fireside crackling sound, perfect for curling up on the couch. Thank you so much for tuning in, and remember to stay safe and look at the Natty Cat on Facebook and Instagram. Have you ever wanted to get your shit together? Scrap it, look through the lens and capture it But first world problems are getting you down Disabled, salty, need a laugh to fix that frown <laughs> Well you can do all those things and so much more Just grab a seat in the chair with the floor Sit back, relax, recline While she drops another casual line you're tuned into Casually Molly with Molly and Bergie. Hello! Thank you so much for tuning in to the Casually Molly podcast. I am your host, Molly Ambergie, and I am sitting here with, you'll first time you see him, you'll never forget him. Give it up for Mr. Showtime, David Scott. How are you doing today, sir? I'm good. Can you hear me all right? Hmm, for some reason, I can't seem to hear you. Let's see what we can do here. Thing, how about that? All right, there we go. That's the kind of, <laughs> that's what we're looking for here. David, how are you doing well, tonight? Yeah. What's happening? <laughs> yes. I'm great. Someone said they were gonna mute my line and I just saw a little thing was muted. I guess I wasn't unmuted, so. Oh, that's all right. I'm happy to have you on. This is great. <laughs> How's your this Tuesday night fun. going? Yeah, I, I... <laughs> It's going well. I mean, I've been. I was uh, prepared so many different ways to to do this. I had two laptops. I had a camera, and things didn't go well. And then I finally got one of the laptops to work. And the Wi-Fi is just crazy. And your your <laughs> tech guy said just use your phone. I go. So I set all this great stuff up, and I'm just using my phone. So. <laughs> well, you know, welcome to quarantine, baby. This is what it is. We're like, you know what? If the worst comes to worst, we're just going to use our phone. Why not? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. I've been, uh, I've been, uh, let's see, this is day, I'm coming up on day 48 um, off the road. The mm -hmm. last show I did was in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina on March oh, 13th. So I haven't, I've been off the road since March 13th. I've had like, I had like nine weeks booked after March, uh, after my show in March. And so I've just been stuck at home. So. Oh my gosh. I'm, well, I'm, let's. I, I, yeah. I know about the Go quarantine ahead. life. <laughs> I, I'm, You're I like, know about I'm the very quarantine. familiar. So I was about to say, what's the transition from being, because you know, you do travel a lot. What's the transition been? You've been traveling, you were been on the road. How's it been kind of uh, coming this, what they quote unquote call the new normal for you in these uh, weird times? 
yeah. Um, I, I wish I could say I've, I want to say like, you know, I'm taking, uh, taking advantage of the time off that, um, you know, bettering myself, I'm reading more, I'm doing philosophy, I'm doing yoga. <laughs> I, that's, that's none of that is true. I've, Same. I've, I've <laughs> spent a lot of time watching TV and, uh, and that's about it. My cat, <laughs> my cat is happy that I'm home. I mean, Aww. my cat, a, a lot of, a lot of these, uh, cats are like angry that you're home all the time. My cat's like, I'm thrilled you're around because you feed me whenever I ask Aww. you to. So yes. I've now got a very, I now have a very chubby cat. Um, she doesn't think she's chubby, but she is. And I'm not trying to fat shame my cat. Don't, I don't want PETA to get all over me. I'm not fat shaming my cat. She's, she's 14 years old, and I feel like if she wants to eat a treat, she can eat a treat. So. Absolutely. Yes. I mean, that's what I've been doing. Like I was trying to like diet and work out and all these things. And then once quarantine hit, I was like, you know what I started? I don't know if you've had this, David, but I've been starting to have like these weird cravings for like cookies. And then all of a sudden I really wanted cake. And then I yeah. really wanted cupcakes. And I'm like, normally in a real life setting per se, I would never you know, care. And then all of a sudden I'm like, you know, maybe I'll just make some Nestle Toll House, you know, like I, I don't know what it is or where it's coming from, but I, I really wanted to thank you for wanting to come on. You are somebody that I really admire in their career. Uh, you've done quite a lot, which is great. So uh, how, for those of you who don't know, David and I actually, Mr. Showtime, we connected through Instagram, which was kind of cool. So I felt super yeah. hip. So thank you for that. <laughs> I was like, oh, if you're hip to it, you can uh, befriend Mr. Showtime David Scott via Instagram uh, direct messages. But uh, let's talk about, I was doing some research on you before we get into uh -oh. all the big things we're gonna, oh, in a good way. Well, I found your YouTube channel like you do when you first look somebody up and you had this hilarious interview and I, I can't remember the city that it was in, but it was like a local uh, news channel. You were being interviewed for the funny bone that was there and the video title was called One Lump or Two. And oh, you yeah, were talking, <laughs> That was Des Moines, Iowa. Good day, Des Moines. With uh, yes. yeah, yeah. That's when yes. I uh, I I have this uh, side project. Well, I had, I haven't done it in a while. Called I can't believe you eat that. Where <laughs> okay. um, I try foods that other people think is normal, but I have honestly never had. And okay. I've never had coffee. I've never drank coffee before in my life. And I know, yeah, yeah. a lot of people drink coffee. I. I just don't like bitter flavors. And the smell mm -hmm. of coffee is so intense that it affects me. That I don't even want to try because it smells so bad. Oh my so, God. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, on the, so I was doing this show called I Can't Believe You Eat That with my daughter, Cartoons by Andy. And uh, on that show, I decided to try coffee for the very first time, three different yes. types of coffee. It was Great fantastic. Yeah, it was horrible. It was horrible. <laughs> I, I, they, they say your mind blocks out the bad things that happen to you. So you don't like, like if you like women who give childbirth, they don't remember the pain of it because they did. They never have children again. <laughs> I remember exactly how horrible that coffee was. I remember, oh I remember the, I remember the taste straight black coffee was one of the worst things I've ever <laughs> 
had happened to me. It was visceral the way it attacked my body. And oh, it was bad. Bad, oh my bad, god bad. well it was so well done because uh you guys whoever you gotta look this up it's so good because you're like you literally were like camera four let's watch me do this and you did three different types you did the station coffee which in my experience yeah. is not pretty good either so we get that <laughs> that i understood i'm also drinking straight black coffee right now but it's um I, I'm kind of cheating because it's a signature blend from Aldi's. So it's like a little bit of signature a taste. Blend. Well, I had no idea. I was talking to somebody so refined. Well, I apologize. It's the I... funniest thing is that you could get like a breakfast blend and then they call it like a signature blend. And I was like, you know what? It's quarantine. I'm just going to get both. They're both $3.19 a box. Let's do this. And then um, $3.19 <laughs> a box. You know what? Why not? Like at this point, like, I don't know what's going to happen in 2020. I've given up, but I, I laughed really hard because then you, uh, you were saying that you preferred the hazelnut over the French vanilla, which I agree with yeah. because I don't like French vanilla coffee either. It's so like sweet and gross. And I was like, Oh, but the hazelnut is actually, uh, you know, if we're going to be refined here, it's a very nice blend. So <laughs> I understood why you liked that one. <laughs> I, I was I was surprised that hazelnut for me was better than French vanilla. Uh, that actually, oh, really? That, the thing about the show is that it, I want to be shocked by mm. the things I try. Like, will I like something that I thought was going to be bad? And yeah. I was surprised that the hazelnut was actually um, was actually um, passable. <laughs> <laughs> If I if I had to drink it again, I could. Um, if I had, or if if I was dying of thirst, all I had was black coffee or French vanilla, I'd be dead of thirst because I just would not try either one. I don't blame you. I totally. I I, want, I bought the French vanilla one time. Was not my thing, and I I totally understand because my boyfriend he doesn't like coffee either. So he's like, oh god, I don't know how. Like I drink it by the gallon. I have like you know five or seven cups a day. It probably affects like how I act and then I crash at night. So I don't know how healthy that is. So you're probably doing the right thing. So good for you. <laughs> um, and yeah. then I love, yeah. you were talking about how you had fried green tomatoes. I've never had fried green tomatoes. How was that experience? Those were so bad. <laughs> yeah, that was after I did a show in, uh, it was Hayden, Alabama. I did a, mm -hmm. I did a, um, a show there and afterwards, I did a live episode of I Can't Believe You Eat That. And they, because it was either Hayden, Alabama, or Warrior, Alabama is the quote unquote official home of fried green tomatoes. That's where it was actually originated. And uh -oh. they said, you've got to do this at, at your show. So I did a live, after my show was over, I did a live I Can't Believe You Eat That where I ate. And I had a, and if you could tell from the video, I had a live audience that was around me as I was uh, doing it. And they would cheer me on and just, it was, and I, the one thing I learned is that fried green tomatoes have to be eaten when they're hot. It's gotta be warm. Mm -hmm. They bought them and then put them in, for some reason, just put them in the refrigerator for like an hour and then gave it to me. So they were cold and like <laughs> uh, moist. Oh, no. It was really, really, really Ooh. bad. And I don't, and I don't like tomatoes in general. I'm not a big tomato guy. I don't like, okay. I don't like slices of tomato. So oh, I thought everything tastes better fried. And that's when I learned that, no, not everything tastes better <laughs> fried. So you're like, 
this was a learning experience for me. Well, I haven't tried it yeah. yet, but once I do, I'll definitely let you know for sure. Please do. Uh, yeah, Please I'll do. be like, you know what, after this, I'll be like, David, follow-up interview. We're going to talk about fried food and what, where we stand on that. <laughs> well, now that everybody knows our coffee and uh, fried food preferences, um, you as a performer, you're always known for trying something new, which is always very cool. And we'll get into your performing history and whatnot in a little bit. But what I'm interested in knowing is, have you uh, had that applied to your quarantine experience? Have you been trying things new within like the confines? Have you been trying to, I mean, not to, no pun intended here, but have you been trying to try things new outside the box, even though we're confined in one per se? As a matter of fact, yes. I okay. tried my hand at at-home plumbing. Oh, wow. Um, You're brave. My, uh, <laughs> I live... I live in kind of like a, um, a brownstone type of building where I live on the top floor, and my, which is uh, a full house. And then okay. my daughter lives on the, on the bottom floor, which is oh. a, full, a full house. And um, she's, got her, it, she's got her own kitchen. It's, it's basically self-contained. You know, she has her own entrance and exit and whatnot, her own garage. Um, but she was having um, her sink was clogging up her kitchen sink. Mm -hmm. And because I am technically the owner of this building, I am also the, the maintenance guy. So yeah. I tried to figure out how to, I tried to figure out how to fix it. So I, 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 I did the, I did the first thing, you know, I pour Drano down it. That didn't work. Tried to snake it. That didn't work. And then I said, okay, I, there's got to be a clog deeper in. And the previous owners of this building were morons because they, in, they self-installed a, a disposal under, my, under the sink and on the bottom floor and then Frankenstein some piping to go what? from the disposal into the drain in the wall. So it wasn't like the typical sink drain which is like basically a u and a v and a curly q Ooh. it was some sort of like giant black uh, pipe i was like this big around and that sounds terrible had, and, yeah. and, and on top of that they glued the pipes together whereas most pipes you have to screw off they glued the pipes so no! i had to have, i had to cut where i thought the where the clog was well i cut it out thinking okay i'll just reinstall it so i cut it out that's not where the clog is the clog mm -hmm. is actually in the main drain. So I had to call a professional service to come and snake the drain. They had to go on top of the roof, snake the drain all the way down. Uh, there's a picture of it on my Facebook page, on my Instagram, where I'm just surrounded by plumbing equipment. <laughs> yeah. And the, the, caption, the caption said, no matter how many YouTube videos I watch, I'm not a plumber. So <laughs> got everything cleared off, but I could not for the life of me, and I'm not an idiot. Um, I'm a pretty, I'm, I'm, I'm smart-ish, mm -hmm. but I could not for the life of me figure out how to get the, the pipes back together to make the, to make, make the water drain back out. Yeah, you're one step so, ahead than me, so I wouldn't know what to do. <laughs> so I'll be yeah, honest, so I would I, have I, to call a professional. Well, that's, I finally today, I actually had, uh, <laughs> actually at eight o'clock this morning, the professional came in and he knocked it out in like 25 minutes. 
and I'm like going, and I and I watched him. I watched him do this. I'm, uh, the one thing about me is I'm always willing to learn. I love learning new things, no matter what it is. So I told the guy, I hope you don't mind. I'm going to watch you do this. I watched him do everything. And you want to know wow. something? I still couldn't do it. If I had to do it again, I'm like, I watched this guy do it. It's like, it's like nope, nope. Have, even though I watched everything he did, I'm like, nope. Couldn't do it. No, nope. couldn't do it again. I mean, maybe you could get a YouTube tutorial. I don't know, but for me, I I, I feel your pain. <laughs> I uh, I wouldn't know what to do either. But that you're doing a lot more than I would in quarantine. I would just be like, I would just be like shot. I'd be like, oh no, I'm not gonna be able to fix it. Let me call somebody. I'm a damsel in distress. Somebody help me. I I'll admit to that. But uh, <laughs> you know what? You <laughs> I'll admit to that for sure. I'm like somebody help me with this fight. But what you do know what to do very well is that you put together like really cool, awesome shows. I, again, was looking at your stuff on YouTube. I've seen so many cool, fun bits. There was a really funny marshmallow bit that I saw you yeah, do the where most, you were playing. The, the world's most dangerous bit in comedy. Yes, that's yeah. the, yes, thank you. I was like, I know there's a certain name for this. And I was like, oh my gosh. And I, uh, you know, I think about when I make hot cocoa during December and I'm like, maybe that's something I should try the next time with my Casio yeah. at home, you know, why not? But uh, can't, can't compare to your Guinness World Record holding. I wanna know more about this. I think, uh, you know, you have a lot of credits. You've been on Sirius XM, you've done HBO, you know, you've got this Guinness World Record hold. like. What, what I gotta know, David, what inspired you to be like, you know what I'm gonna do for 40 straight hours is a comedy show. And like you sing, you dance, like you're very entertaining. Like how in the world did this all come together? I'm very interested, lay it out for us. <laughs> yeah, um, it, kind, it, it started out as a joke to be, all, to be totally honest with you. I was in Chattanooga, Tennessee, performing at a place called the Comedy Catch. And on Friday night, after we do two shows on Friday, and after the late show, the local radio station, for whatever reason, uh, would broadcast live. The overnight guy would broadcast from uh, 10 o'clock to 2 a.m. from the comedy club. And, uh, at, and there were three comics on the show. And after each comic would be on stage, the DJ, the radio guy, would interview the MC, then interview the feature, then interview the headliner. And I was a headliner. So you do your set and then you get interviewed. It was very unique and very cool. And I've never seen it done since. Um, but after my set on the second show, uh, I guess I performed for about an hour and 20 minutes. It was something like that. I did like an hour and 20. Um, which is about, which is my average show about an hour 20 is my, if you come to a club show, that's my average set. Uh, so after the show was over, the, uh, the DJ goes, I've never seen anybody do a set that long here at this club. What's the longest show you've ever done? And I had to think about, it. I go a little bit over two hours was my longest show. He goes, wow. I want, I go, I wonder what the Guinness world record is. Um, that'd be interesting. And, uh, his engineer back at the station goes, um, the record is 38 hours and six minutes. Oh my he looks God. looks up online. And as a joke, I go, yeah, I could do that. I could beat that. And people were listening to that when I said it. And all of a sudden, um, 
people started emailing me going, are you serious? Do you really want to try to break this record? And I was like, yeah, I kind of do want to break this record. I, now that I said, I kind of do want to try to break the record. So we started doing some research and you can't just break a Guinness world record. You actually have to petition the Guinness society in England and send oh, wow. them and send them uh, an application explaining what you want to do, how you're going to do it. And then they either approve you or they don't approve you. And if you get approved, you get a case number and you are given uh, X amount of days to break the record um, until you have to reapply. And we had eight months was, uh, was the window to mm -hmm. break the record. And it took six months of planning to, and we didn't just do it, we planned this out because Guinness sent um, a booklet to me and this came from England. The booklet was two and a half inches thick of rules that we had to follow. There were actual rules. You had to hold the microphone the entire time. You couldn't use a mic stand. You couldn't use a headset mic. You couldn't use a lapel mic. You had to hold the microphone. Each joke had to be a minute long. You got 30 seconds between each joke to take a breath. But if you did more, but if you waited more than 30 seconds before your next joke, the uh, the attempt is nullified. So, and we had to have a minimum 10 people in the audience at all times. Uh, we had to have people sign affidavits saying they were there for at least one hour. Audience members had to stay for at least an hour. Wow. So we had all these things going on, and this is before we this is before we figured out because we tried to how are we going to keep people? We had to find a venue that's open 24 hours, and we had to have people come in and out and that's when the diamond joe casino a place where i performed that many many times they were like we can do this we were open 24 hours yeah because it's and a casino it's, exactly it's a casino yeah. and they're saying like if we need to bring and they wanted to do this the casino was very excited about doing this the casino um said if we need to bring people in for 10 hours we'll bring dealers off the floor and pay them to watch you perform. Instead of dealing, they'll watch you perform and we'll pay them. So they brought awesome. in housekeeping, dealers, security oh guards. Because, because between 2 a.m. and 6 a.m., the casino's not very busy. So they brought people in, the casino staff, to actually be the audience. That's so um, cool. I love that. And, I love the support that they gave you. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, they were very excited. They um, they wanted to be known, this casino, the Diamond Joe, wanted to be known as the Guinness World Record Casino. They wanted people mm -hmm. to break records at their casino. Uh, so they, and they, they had one guy do it. They, so I was the second person to set a Guinness World Record at the Diamond Joe. So the okay. Diamond Joe was trying to get into the Guinness Book of World Records by having more people set records at their casino than anywhere else in the world. And as far as that's I know, so they're still cool. doing it. They're still trying to get people to break records. Wow, so, that's so the, awesome. Once we got the logistics figured out, we then had to write the show. And I had a team, I had a three-person team um, that helped me. And we took six months to write two 12-hour sets. So we wrote a 12-hour set, and then we were able to repeat 
the set later. So you could repeat jokes. So we wrote a 12-hour set and then wrote another 12-hour set. So that means we had a 24 hours of comedy. And then we could just keep on repeating and repeating. So we did a 12-hour set, took a break, 12-hour set, and then repeated the first 12 hours. Um, on paper, it was the most brilliant thing we came up with. In execution, it was a nightmare because oh. I forgot my place because I had a script and I had to read the script. And I was at, the, at, at around the 26-hour mark, I was so exhausted. I was so I tired. I, my mind just kind of left. And I just started talking. Not, it's on video. I just started talking <laughs> nonsense. And, uh, and uh, my team is scrambling, trying to figure out where the hell I am on, my, on the script because they don't want me to repeat a joke. Because I repeat sure. a joke, then the, the, the uh, attempt is nullified. And, there's, mm -hmm. and my buddy Chris Smith um, is just throwing jokes at me from off stage, just throwing, throwing through my mind, just, just yelling, read this, read this. And he sent me uh, like a stack of jokes about this tall, like 20 jokes that he had just written just real quick. And uh, so they, so my team could let, I, so I'm just reading these jokes and uh, <laughs> we got, we got through it obviously, but I, um, it was, it was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Oh, I'm listen, like it's more than I could do. Like sometimes we even fumble <laughs> after three minutes of comedy. I've been doing it for three years and I'm like, wait, what? Like, what's my place? So I, I really commend you. I think that is so like what I really appreciate about you is that's something that is very challenging, very overwhelming. But, you know, you're like, you know what? Let's pull this together. Let's put in the preparation. But I, I mean, I love that you're like very nonchalantly being like, oh, you know, after 28 hours, I was just exhausted. I'd be like, I get it. Like. Even in quarantine, I'm like, just to walk down to the other side of the apartment, it's not that big. I'm like, oh, like, I, like <laughs> so good for you, man. I, I really expect, you. you know, I props to you. So what I'll lead into here is we have a mutual friend, Michael Tobin over at Backdoor Comedy and Events. Right. So is shout out Tobin to him. Or, is it Tobin or Tubin? Is it Tubin? Ooh. No, it's not. I just, I just, oh. I, I, give, I give him a hard time because his last name is Tobin, but yes. his last name is spelled T-O. If you just mm -hmm. say T-O is pronounced how? Just the, just T-O. <laughs> it's two. The, two. The, if you see so, it's two. T-O is two. And then yes. Bin. So it looks like it should be Tubin. Tubin. <laughs> but he says it's Tobin. And I say, then there should be an E after the O in your name. It should be T O E. We need some phonetics, Michael. Yes. Yeah, Tobin. <laughs> because I call him Tubin, and he gets really mad at me. I go, I'm phonetically spelling out your, saying out your name correctly. I go, oh if you God. just take the word two and the word bin and just put them together, it doesn't become Tobin. <laughs> <laughs> I was literally like, I was like, oh my God, have I, this is how like, you know, inside this box I've been, I'm like, did I, did, have I been mispronouncing his name no, the entire no, you, time? It, it, it is, <laughs> no, it is Tobin, uh, but it's, yes. it's spelled wrong. He spells his oh, name wrong. Yeah, so Michael, gonna, if you're watching, hate, you spell your name wrong. Way, <laughs> yeah, by the way, he's watching this right now, he's angry. So oh, he's, he's probably, probably gave, super angry he, with us. Yeah, he's, he's probably just slamming beers right now, going, that son of a bitch, he knows my name. <laughs> he's probably making a TikTok right now being like, listen up. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, 
Oh, man. Just, I, I'll tell you something. Uh, white men over 40 should not be allowed on TikTok. I've said it. <laughs> there it is. All right. It's, I actually don't have a TikTok. And so many people are like, all the comedians are doing right now. It's a phase. And I'm like, I don't I don't know. It took me a hot minute to get on Instagram. But now I'm I really clicked with that. So I don't know. Maybe if I get on TikTok, I'll click with that, too. But I I haven't done. Have you, you, have you gotten one yet? <laughs> God, no. Look, look at me. God, no. I, I don't. <laughs> I, 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 I hate social media on so many levels. I need it now, but I'm in, I, I'm in, I, I guess in some ways, um, my comedy started, uh, before the social media revolution blew up. I was, you know, I was sending out promo packets and trying to develop a fan base through, um, um, an email list and a mail. I used to have, mm -hmm. a, I used to have a legitimate mailing list. I used to eat a mail, physically mail postcards to clubs and fans. Yeah. Hey, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. Um, and it cost a lot of money to, to mail this stuff out, but it also generated me a fan base. And even yes. though I'm not famous, i.e. like a sitcom star, but I generated a fan base because I was, connecting with my fans the best way I knew how. And, um, uh, uh, and then all of a sudden social media started and Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. And I was so late jumping on this bandwagon that now I'm playing catch up. And yeah. part of me is like, you know, I just, I just turned 50 last week. And oh, well, happy I'm birthday. Like, oh, thank you. <laughs> And I'm like going, I'm like, do I really want to be 50 years old trying to compete with Billy on Instagram? You know, the 23 year old internet sensation. And I'm like, no, I really don't want to, but I'm, I'm fighting the Instagram. I'm, I'm trying to get my YouTube page to, mm -hmm. uh, to, I'm trying to get subscribers to my YouTube page. I can't figure out YouTube at all. I don't know why a video of a cat, you know, wrestling a stuffed animal has 18 million views, but a really cool video that I made has six. And it just really, <laughs> really annoys the crap out of me. You're so, not alone, Michael. You're not alone. <laughs> You're not I'm, alone. I'm, da you, I'm David. Oh yeah. I was just referring to Michael with the TikTok. You're not alone. Here we go. We're all trying to compete. We've got here just trying to help him, right. but don't worry. <laughs> He's like, Oh God, this girl called me the wrong name. <laughs> no. <laughs> He's like, I chose yeah. to do this interview. What's happening. Um, no. but yeah, <laughs> no, you know, I, I you know, when you said your when you said uh, your name was Molly and you had the 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 casual Molly podcast, I was like, is it Molly the name or Molly the drug? Because I wasn't Ooh. quite sure. What I, I wasn't <laughs> quite sure because it was Molly and casual. I thought, okay, I kind of see what she's doing here, you know. Mm -hmm. But that's no, it's actually your name. <laughs> yes, it's actually my name. I know, right? You know, at this point, maybe I should start taking some Molly. Who knows? <laughs> Anything to get through this well, time. But <laughs> well, Molly, Molly is such a um, of, I want to say the word vintage name. It's an old school name. It was a name mm -hmm. from like, you know, the 1920s, 1930s, not, you know, uh, it's, it's a classic name that you don't hear much anymore. You don't, you know, the last famous Molly was Molly Ringwald. That was the last oh! famous Molly. 
I loved Molly Ringwald, so I understand. Yeah. Loved her. Yeah. So, Sixteen yeah, candles. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So when I hear the name, so when I hear the name Ma, I go, "Well, your parents were very, must have been very, very cool." Or you were named after somebody earlier in the family. You were named after an aunt or a grandmother or something. You're absolutely correct. I before we move on into your anniversary show, uh, just a little tidbit for anybody watching. Um, my grandmother, I'm Italian on my mom's side, and my grandmother was named Amalia but she went by Molly as a nickname. And so that is where I got it from. So good job, David, you're not wrong. <laughs> uh, but congratulations, you know your history. But yeah, well, let's talk say, about I'm kind of, I'm kind of smart. <laughs> yeah, you're kind of smart, which is why you're having this really cool anniversary show. Why don't you tell us a little bit about this and yeah. what you and Michael Tubin, what you guys have come up with. <laughs> <laughs> See, now you got, you got to call him Tubin. Um, <laughs> Um, yeah, this Thursday, uh, April 30th, is the official seven-year anniversary of my Guinness World Record. Um, mm-hmm. And with the quarantining going on and the social distancing and the sheltering in place, I did a show on April 1st at Backdoor Comedy uh, for two reasons. One, I was trying to help Michael out, just raise a few dollars to pay some bills, just to get over the hump while waiting for the stimulus check, waiting for the PPP loan, you know, just try, just mm-hmm. try to help because, you know, Backdoor is relatively new in the comedy world. It only opened up in October, September of uh, 2019. And it takes a good 12 to 15 months for a new comedy club to really get yes. going, get traction mm-hmm. going, have people come in weekly and exploit and he's a small room so his his overhead is is razor thin so he was just starting to get his feet going people were really starting to talk about his room there was buzz about it people in the st louis area were coming out to the open mic the open mic was packed um the shows he was bringing in really good comics and then this hit this this coronavirus hit and i was like what can we do what can we do? So I put on this show on April 1st and we raised some money. Everybody made some money. Everybody was happy. Yes. And Michael and I were like, well, let's do this again. But I wanted to have a reason to do it again. Right. And the world record was coming up. And I said, and I give credit to Michael on this one. He said, why don't you do a four hour and eight minute show to commemorate the 40 hour and eight minute show? And I was like, huh, that's an interesting idea. So I started calling up um, some people. I said, would you be interested in doing this? And that's how I contacted you. Because you don't know this, but I actually slipped into an open mic at uh, the club one night, and you were on stage. Oh, okay. And and I caught caught your five-minute set. And I was like, I go, that's some funny stuff. That's some funny stuff. Oh, and thank you. So when I put the show together, I actually did not know about this podcast at all. I knew mm-hmm. your name. And yes. I said, hey, Michael, what's, what's Molly? What, how long has she been doing it? What kind of comic is she? And he just raved about you. He's like, oh, no, she's Aww. great. She's enthusiastic. She's really a friend of the club. Um, and I go, do you think that this would be something that she'd want to do? 
And he's like, I don't know. I guess you could ask her. And that's how I reached <laughs> out to you. Not yeah. knowing you had this pot, not knowing you had this pot, this uh, vod, vodcast or vlogcast. I'm not sure what this is called. Whatever um, you want to call it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so I reached out to you. And at that time, I did not know you were, um, I, I, I think Milo said married, but it's, you said boyfriend. He's yeah, also a, a comedian. He's, he's also yes. a comedian. I didn't know that. If I had, yes. I would have asked him to be on the yes. show. But you were the last name to fill in on the oh, show. Oh, wow. I, Made the list. I've got, <laughs> yeah, so I've got, uh, let's see, one, two, uh, three, four. I'm sorry, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I got seven comedians on the show, oh, wow. including mm -hmm. myself. And yes. I wanted to bring in comedians. To, I'm not going to do the whole four-hour show by myself. I wanted to treat this like an episode of the Johnny Carson Tonight Show. And mm -hmm. what Johnny was so good about was making stars. Johnny created stand-up comedian stars. Jerry Seinfeld, Drew Carey, Jim Car uh, 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 Comics that were great comics, but they're on the Tonight Show and they blow up. Yes. And I want to do that. And I, so I'm playing the role of Johnny during the show. Okay. And I'm opening the show. I'm doing a Johnny Carson-esque monologue, and then I'm bringing on the comedians. After each set, we're going to have a little conversation, like a little Q&A, just like Johnny did, and then I mm -hmm. bring up the next act. Um, and because I remembered you, I was like, I need one more um, uh, comedian uh, who I think is an up-and-comer, who I think, because my fan base because uh, it's going to be on my Facebook page, and I got to actually have a pretty decent following on my Facebook page. I want my fans to see all these great young comics, because St. Louis um, should be a bigger comedy city. We are a St. Louis is a legitimate city because I came here from Las Vegas, um, mm -hmm. and St. Louis is a is a legitimate city, and there is no real comedy scene out here. You don't. You hear very little about the St. Louis comedy scene. You hear about Chicago and Minneapolis and, and Denver and San Antonio or Austin. You don't hear much about the St. Louis comedy scene. And I really want the world or my fans to see that St. Louis really has some fantastic comedians. It, they, and, um, it really does. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Go I'm ahead. hoping that this will help. I, I'm hoping that this will help, you know, um, people, my fans, to see these uh, great comedians like yourself, just have a great time. We're shooting for four hours and eight minutes, but I am running into so many technical issues, just like we had today, um, yeah. with streaming and Wi-Fi, and I, I really don't know if this is going to work. I'm clueless if this is actually going to work. We're going to try it. <laughs> you know yes um well you know you're, gonna, you're trying that's good <laughs> yeah we're going to stream it we're going to stream it on one camera record it on another camera so that if things go sideways i can still upload it and do like a viewing party type of thing sure. uh one mm -hmm. night um but uh yeah um i and we're also again we're going to try to raise money uh for the club if you want to donate, this is a free show. We're not charging anybody to watch it. So people can um, watch the show. If they want to donate 
to um, the club through Venmo, they can. Each comedian, yourself included, when they're on performing, your either your Venmo or your PayPal will be listed. So if people want to donate to you while you're on stage, they can. Um, mm -hmm. Just to try to help out and um, give uh, these young comics or just comics in general, you know, a few bucks to, you know, pay yeah. a bill or put gas in their tank or whatever. Um, I've always believed in this business being helping each other. And yes, unfortunately, 100%. Uh, the sad part about this business is that there's a lot of backstabbing and there's a lot of people tearing each other down. And I've always done the opposite. I've always tried to help every any com that wants help and asks me for help. I tried to help them with writing or bits or can you watch my set? Tell me what you think. And I really want to continue doing that as I get older and I start winding down my comedy career. I want mm -hmm. to see the next generation of comedians step up, which is why I started a new YouTube series series called The School of Comedy. Yes. Um, Tell us a little which bit is basically about that. Me, yeah, which is basically me um, giving 27 years of advice. And... And the very first episode, I say, um, I'm not famous. I don't have a Netflix. I don't have a sitcom. But I've been doing this for 27 years. Yes. And I've made a living at this for 27 years. And I've made a good living at it for 27 years. And try, just trying to let young comics know that you don't have to be um, on HBO. You don't have to have a Netflix special to be successful in this business. So I try to pass along um, the 27 years of experience and it's uh, youtube.com youtube.com forward slash showtime talks mm -hmm. and uh, uh, school of comedy. The first episode is up and it's called everybody bombs. That's the very first episode. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's very true. We all do for yeah. sure. <laughs> yeah. so, so for me, it's just about trying to give back, just trying to help out, try to do what little bit I can um, even though I call it the Mr. Showtime Guinness World Record Anniversary Show, I, I'm, not, I'm not the star of the show. It's got my name on it, but I want everybody else. I want the spotlight to shine on everybody else that's going to be on the show. And like I, I said, I'm that. opening the show. Yeah, I, I'm mm -hmm. opening the show like Johnny. I'm going to be the, I'm going to be the host. I'm going to be the MC. I'm going to be the master of ceremonies. And I, I want to shine a spotlight on just the amazing talent. And we've got some great, great acts that are uh, great comedians. And, and we have some surprises, too. My daughter's going to come out. We're going to do a, a special episode of I Can't Believe You Eat That live. Okay. So you're going to bring it back. All right. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, my buddy Chris Smith, who's also doing a set, um, we, I stole this idea from SNL, and I admit that. But I've known Chris Smith for... 20 years and he knows me as well as anybody and I know him as well as anybody so I've written jokes that he has not seen that he is going to read and he's written jokes for me that I have not seen and we're mm -hmm. going to go back and forth and I know exactly jokes. where you're talking from SNL yeah 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 yeah, <laughs> yeah. so it's, it's not my idea I just thought it was really funny so I said I'm going to do that so me and Chris are going to do that and yeah. um, it's going to be a fun it's, it's going to be a fun night um, 
hopefully hopefully it goes off without a hitch i i fingers crossed this whatever was going on in the wi-fi world hopefully by the time thursday comes that we'll have the camera figured out we'll have the autofocus figured out we'll have the sound figured out yeah and um, you know i mean you went through it today with us like you know sometimes like you have to just keep trying things out see what works i've got like a little lamp here because i'm in my loft and it's a little dark outside so i kind of look like i'm in phantom of the opera right now <laughs> <laughs> i'm like half uh, here half here but i what i love is like you and michael are very similar in that regard that you're trying to help St. Louis Commodity Out, which we really appreciate. Uh, we do have like a few different clubs, like there's Helium, there's Funny Bone, and then uh, Backdoor has been coming in here and trying to help. And um, what I think is great is that, you know, especially me as a comedian, I do miss doing my local shows as well as the professional shows that I've been very, you know, excited to be a part of. Um, what I'll ask you is you have had a very professional career. Sorry, I'm just looking at my notes down here. What is, uh, I'm sure you get asked this a lot, but what is some advice that you want to pass on to um, a fellow comedian up and coming, somebody that's been maybe doing this for a little while now? What is something that you've had in your experience that you think that we should know? Uh, there's a couple of things that I would tell uh, young comedians. Uh, the first one I would tell them is to take chances. Um, mm -hmm. Don't do what everybody else is doing. You know, don't copy, you know, don't copy somebody else. Not, not, not copy as in like, you know, steal, but um, don't try to be the next, the next X. Be the first you. Mm -hmm. And don't be afraid to take chances and don't be afraid to bomb and what i tell every young comic is right at the very beginning this is only for young comics to start now we're talking about less than two years um write what you know uh it's it's it seems like obvious advice saying oh write what you know well of course i'm gonna write what i know it's so hard uh, for young comics to write about stuff that makes them seem vulnerable or stupid. Uh, you'll hear a lot of comics do jokes where you know it's not true. And when you write what you know, you add believability to the performance. And audiences love believability. They want to believe that what you're saying on stage actually happened, or it could happen. They like the idea of going, yeah, I could see that, because comedy, you are painting a mental picture in the mind of the audience. You're taking them on a journey. So you tell a joke in their head, they are picturing that scenario playing out. If you do a joke, that says, you won't believe this, I was abducted by aliens on my way to the club. Audience is gonna go, well, that's BS. We know that didn't happen. If you go, it would be amazing if I was once abducted by aliens, or I had a dream I was abducted by aliens. You change one word, and the audience goes, yeah, okay, I've had that dream. <laughs> I've dreamt about, because you want the audience to believe what you're saying. Yes. Um, so 
uh, I would just say, be yourself. Um, don't try to be somebody else. Uh, don't be afraid to bomb. You'll learn more from bombing than you will from killing. And I've been mm -hmm. saying that for 27 years. You'll learn more from having a horrible set. I'm talking like, you know, I want to quit the business type of set than you will from I had the best set of my life. Um, and then just write material that is relatable to the crowds and they can get mm -hmm. behind. And this is for young comics. As you get older in the biz, like me, for example, as Mr. Showtime, um, because I've developed a reputation, I could do something like the world's most dangerous bit in comedy and shove marshmallows in my mouth because I have earned the right to go, okay, I've been doing this for years. I have now this cachet of, you know, credibility that I can do crazy things and the audience will follow me because they know what they're getting when they see me on stage. Mm -hmm. So young comics, you know, take chances. Don't be afraid to bomb. Write what you know. Those exactly. are the three things I would tell any, any young comic. So. I love that. I think, honestly, I completely agree. I like how we kind of talked about branding there as well. Um, let's kind of actually talk about, you know, we were talking about like Wi-Fi and stuff like that. And how sometimes we have technical difficulties. But what, uh, you know, you have been doing this for a while. Was there maybe a show where other than when you were at the uh, Guinness World Records and you lost your place for a hot second there, was there any like show that maybe something went wrong and then you just kind of picked everything up and kept going that week yeah, you want to share with us it yeah, could be funny. Uh, <laughs> yeah I, I think i think every comedian has those nights where it just the wheels just fall off mm -hmm. and i was actually in uh this this goes back to des moines this happened years ago i was in actually no i'm gonna tell a different story i'm gonna, I, I'm gonna tell i'm gonna tell a story that happened at the funny bone but it was in south bend indiana and uh, he passed away. His name was Paul Lane. And he was a club owner. Great guy. He passed away. Loved the guy. Um, and I was, this is 1994. Uh, mm -hmm. I, was, I wasn't a headliner yet. I was still featuring. I was probably a year away from headlining. Um, and I was working the Funny Bone chain. There was a time when the Funny Bone chain was the premier uh, comedy chain in the country. And he owned the Funny Bone in uh, South Bend, and he brought me as a feature act. And I didn't know this until after the show was over. He likes to test young comedians to see how they handle pressure, uh, how they handle a weird situation, how they react to adversity when they're on stage. It's just a, that's how he judges whether you you got the chops. Can you handle somebody throwing a curveball at you in the middle of your set? So again, not knowing this, when I got there, he had a speaker uh, set up on the stage. It looks like a monitor. And for those who are listening, uh, the monitor is a speaker that's actually facing towards the performer that we can, the performer can hear themselves. I know you know what I'm talking about, but just in case mm -hmm. people watch sure. it, the monitor. Oh, I'm listening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the speaker faces towards the performer and you can hear what is, um, what's being said. Uh, now they have, they, they, now they have earpieces, but back then they were monitors. 
and he had a monitor set up it looked like a monitor but it wasn't it was actually a speaker that he had a microphone attached to in the green room in his office because his office had a window he could watch the show from his office he could turn on this microphone and talk to the comedian while they were performing oh wow so mm -hmm. you're in the middle of your set and all of a sudden this voice this booming bass voice that paul had would go yeah that joke wasn't very funny <laughs> oh i wouldn't tell that i'm not sure i tell i'm not sure i tell that joke again you know you know talking to you doing uh, like you know doing sound effects like like tapping it going is this bothering you is this throwing off your timing you're hearing thump 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 mm -hmm. thump <laughs> you know and he's just messing with you because he wanted to see if you could play with it if you could roll because the audience could hear none of this he was having a private conversation with me while I'm trying to perform in front of 250 people. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> and he's having a conversation with me. He wants to know, can I drown him out and still do my set? And I've been trained in theater. My dad was in theater. My dad performed in Broadway, off Broadway, musical theater up and down the uh, East Coast. And sure. I, I was trained in theater since I was five years old. My first time performing on stage, I was five. I've got a degree in theater. I've I've done it all. So this mm -hmm. was not throwing me off at all. And he did everything he could to make me crack. And I just kept on doing it. And after the show was over, he walks up to me. He goes, he goes, ah, you son of a bitch. I couldn't get you. <laughs> I was trying to get you to crack. And he, and we just became and we became fast friends. And we were friends up until he unfortunately passed away. Um, it was always one of my favorite memories because yeah. I felt as a young comic at 23, 24 years old that I was welcomed into the fraternity. Because when you're a yes. young comic and you are playing at, a, at the time was one of the most premier comedy club chains in the country, you want to be welcomed. You want to be one of, you want to be in the fraternity. And that was the first time I felt, okay, I'm a comedian now. Um, I, yeah. I, I've made it in the door and it was just, it's just a great feeling. It, 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 it was made, and he was a great guy. He helped me out very early on in my career, offering advice, offering suggestions, telling it, give me great advice. Like, you know, uh, go for what you're doing. Don't be like anybody else, you know, just really cared about the business. And because he knew I was so, um, so into the act of performing he would take his time to help me out because he, he he's getting hundreds of phone this is back in 93 it's phone calls you know so his phone mm -hmm. is ringing you know 300 times a day but he would take yeah. my call but he would take Aww. my call because he knew that i had a passion and i had a desire to be better and mm -hmm. i have taken that advice and when i see passion in a young comedian I approach them and I say, how can I help you? What can I do? What can I um, do to help you um, achieve your goal? And absolutely. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'd love that. And I think you're going to fit in perfectly with the St. Louis scene because um, what I, what I will let you know too, is that uh, it's exactly what you talked about where you want to feel welcome. You want to have somebody be. And when I first started doing comedy here, 
in St. Louis. I started out a little bit in Cincinnati, which is where I'm originally from. Uh, but one of my first open mics was at this place called the Improv Shop. And, you know, mm -hmm. now we just had on our last guest we live streamed with was named Rafe Williams. And Rafe Williams and Bobby Jaycox, I hope you have the pleasure of meeting them at some point. But um, it's great. They host this great, like, open mic on Monday nights at the Improv Shop. And you learn so much as you keep going. The same happened when I went to Helium and I saw people there and the funny bone and you eventually you branch out and I I feel like so welcome by our community here, which is why I'm so happy that people like you are taking an interest in the St. Louis community um, and helping us with the uh, quote unquote Johnny Carson approach <laughs> with Michael <laughs> Tubin. And uh, when you said Johnny, were you talking about Johnny Kavanaugh? I'm, I'm Johnny as I'm uh, there was John, um, Johnny Kavanaugh as another comedian. Have you had the chance to meet him at all as well? Yeah, I've known door? Johnny for years. Yeah, yes, I've known Johnny I figured. For years. He, <laughs> when, I, when I used to come, when I used to come to uh -huh. St. Louis, he used to he he's opened for me a couple times uh, mm -hmm. over the years, and I was he's very funny. Um, that's why I asked. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Johnny's going to be part of the show. He's going to be on the yes. show. Um, mm -hmm. He goes up. He goes up fifth. You're going on. I've got it all timed out, so you can tell your fans to watch on my Facebook page. Your your schedule go on from six fifty to seven ten, and mm -hmm. and then um, Johnny comes on from seven thirty to seven fifty. Oh wow! So, All right, well, I better yeah, keep the party yeah. going before he shows up. So, <laughs> and then I know yeah. we have a mutual friend too, Andy Hamilton as well. Andy's going to um, be there. Yep, yeah. exactly. He now, Miss, you were were you the first person that opened up the club at Backdoor with Andy? Am I correct on that? Yeah. I think we yes. uh, we had the grand opening weekend, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, he had a soft opening, um, doing open mic stuff that. But mine was I I was the grand opening weekend. Yes, uh, for exactly. For comedy, and Andy Andy was the uh, the host, and he did a phenomenal job. He was nervous, but he did a phenomenal job. Yes, I'm just naming some people that uh, St. Louis is watching. These are some names that we would know for sure. And Mr. Showtime, you've been. Uh, really excellent this evening. I really appreciate you putting up with our shout outs, our technical difficulties, sharing <laughs> your stories. <laughs> what I will ask you before we end out this wonderful session, now that I've got to meet you virtually, where, where are the best places that we'll be able to find you via Instagram, Facebook? Let us have the whole shebang. Uh, Instagram, it's at I am Mr. Showtime David Scott. That's Instagram. Uh, mm -hmm. Facebook, where the show will be broadcast uh, on Thursday, is facebook.com forward slash I am Mr. Showtime. Um, like the page, um, follow the page, and you'll get um, notification when the, when the live stream starts on Thursday. You will get notification that the live stream has started. And I really want as many people to watch as possible. So check out facebook.com forward slash, forward slash I am Mr. Showtime. Uh, YouTube is youtube.com forward slash Showtime Talks. And uh, that's about all the social media I can do right now. I, I can't do it. And if you just want to know my <laughs> website, if you, and if you just want to go to my website, and there are links to my website, it's alwaysaskformore.com. Yes. All right. I like it. We're going to go there, too. I've been there. So there you go. Oh, thank you. I know. I've just looked up all the things. Uh, but yes, thank you again for coming on. I'm very excited to do this show. For those of you who are tuning in, please remember to casually subscribe to the Casually Molly podcast via Facebook, Instagram, audio, YouTube, you name it, we'll be here. But uh, David, 
what are you going to do now? What's your, uh, what's your, what, after your showtime here is over, what's your plan for the rest of the evening? <laughs> well, my cat is looking at me like she wants some more treats. So I think I'm going to have to give my cat, my cat some treats. And then, uh, what is today? Today's Tuesday. I think the yes. flash is on. So I'm going to watch the flash. All right. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. I don't know. I'm probably going to watch something good. I don't know. I'll figure it out. I've got some good Netflix things queued up. So we'll see. But have David, you, have, it was a pleasure. You, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Have, I'm you, not seen, have you watched, have you watched Good Omens yet? No. Have you seen what Good Omens? Mm -hmm. Oh, what is David that? Tennant. It's a TV show. Uh -huh. So I, I want to say it's on Amazon. Um, if you mm -hmm. have Amazon, uh, do yourself a favor for everybody out there. If you do yourself a favor, check out a TV show. It's only six episodes long. It's one season and done. Mm -hmm. It's called Good Omens. It's awesome. It's a really great show. If you all want right. to binge something, if you want to binge something. Oh, that's me. I'm all about binging during this time frame. <laughs> Don't even binging food, binging Netflix, binging Hulu, all the things. I am. I'm binging them. I ordered. Uh, it was really funny. I ordered this. Uh, it's a local brand here, Brennan's Work and Leisure, and they're doing these like cool little alcohol and snack boxes. So I ordered a whiskey box with cheese and. It was uh, cheese and uh, meat and all of that. And I was like, wow, I am binging on the snacks, binging on the alcohol, binging on the show. I mean, this is a this is a really healthy lifestyle, David. I'm killing this. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, uh, this is great, really good. But uh, it was a pleasure meeting you virtually. I'll let you get back to treating your cat. Uh, for those who tuned into the live stream, thank you very much. And just make sure that you stay safe and uh, have a great rest of your night. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Ma. It was a blast. Bye.